Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. And welcome. Welcome to the September Book Hub. I'm Leanne Pomrenke, a member of the Faith Lead team. As always, we will have a mixture of insights and practices, care for you, the church leader, and things to try in the congregation. Today we are trying something new. This is the first time we have not only authors, but also a spoken word artist as part of our event. We are so pleased to have Courtney Ellis, Joe Davis, and Shonda Ja joining us today for Liberating Laughter, Opportunities for Humor, Joy, and Release in Ministry. You are invited to have paper handy, um, for some of the practices today. First, I'd like to introduce uh, Pastor Courtney Ellis, an ordained Presbyterian pastor in California and the author of three books, including the 2021 book, Happy Now. Thank you for having me, Leanne. It's great to be here today. So who's happy now? <laughs> That's the question for all of us in 2021, right? But I wrote this book and I turned in the final, what I thought was the final draft, March 1st, 2020. And then the world fell apart. The world fell apart. And my publisher said, do you want to change anything? And it was fascinating to go back through the book over the next six months as we all lived through this tumultuous time and are still living through this tumultuous time and realize that the practices I wrote about, the practices of playfulness, God's invitation to us to play held true. I did change some things because I needed to also speak to the current moment, but the fact is that God has created us for joy and connection and play is one of the easiest avenues to get us to that place but we don't play well when we're fried. And I imagine most of you out there are feeling pretty fried. Ministry is hard in easy seasons and we have been through a season and are still in the midst of a season that is anything but easy. So the good news is play is not another thing to put on our to-do list. You should, right? We, we can't should on ourselves. We need to have the freedom to play or not play. But the beautiful thing about play is even 10 seconds, even one minute, even one afternoon once a month can really re-energize us for the ministry that lies ahead. Um, and playfulness brings with it its own type of energy. So I'm going to ask you to do something with me this morning. Grab a sheet of paper. It can be used paper. It can be scrap paper, but it does need to be not square. It needs to be oblong. Um, and we're going to make a paper airplane. And my guess is some of you just grabbed a piece of paper and some of you did not and rolled your eyes. Come with me on this. Trust me on this. I do this when I speak in front of thousands of people and I get the same response and I just wait them out and eventually they'll pull out the paper. So pull out your paper. Trust me. This is going to take less than two minutes. So you're going to fold it in half. We used to call this hot dog style. We now call it portrait style because we're all on screens, portrait style, fold it in half. And then you're going to fold in the two top corners all the way to the middle. 
fold in the two top corners. We make paper airplanes in part because there is a paper airplane on my book cover, but also it's something you can do wherever you are. It's something kids can do. It's something older folks can do. It's something you can do um, that's practically free. So you have your two corners, you're gonna turn over the paper and you're gonna fold in these top edges all the way to the middle. So it's starting to look a little more airplane-ish already. My grandfather was the first one to teach me how to make paper airplanes. And I always think of two things when I think of my grandfather. One is paper airplanes, and two is the stash of Tootsie Rolls he kept in his desk drawer that he thought none of the grandkids knew about. And we all knew about it. And every time we'd all leave after a visit, he'd be like, I thought there were more of those in there. Um, all right, so you should have something that looks like this. It's got your two starter wings. And now what you're going to do is you're going to fold them down just about, let me show you just about halfway. So you're gonna take this flap and fold it down to a straight edge. So this edge matches this bottom edge. You're gonna do that on one side, turn it around, do it on the other side. And you should have yourself a paper airplane. Yeah, I see Leanne's got one. I see Shonda working on one, I see Joe's got one. Yeah, so you've got your paper airplane, fly it. Fly your paper airplane, okay. That was fun. That took two minutes and it illustrates a larger principle. See, I got paper airplanes behind me. I love the paper airplanes. Um, here's what I want you to do after the seminar, find that paper airplane wherever it went. And during the course of your day, write a note on it and leave it somewhere. Write a note that says launch me or throw me or, and put it somewhere, put it in the library or put it, drop it off at your kid's school and pass along the lift. Because the thing about play is it lifts us. And if you've ever been a kid sitting in a classroom and the teacher is droning on about parallelograms and you're over it and suddenly you see that paper airplane sail across the front of the room, do you remember that feeling? Like, oh, oh, something is happening, something new, something different. And this is what we see Jesus doing in his ministry is people think they know how this is going to go. And all of a sudden, Jesus redirects, re-inspires, helps us to reimagine. And that is what playfulness does for us. So we are trying to figure out how to emerge from the pandemic at my church. My church is in Southern California. And the best investment we have made we are reinvesting in small groups and we're making sure, you know, our children's ministry has what it needs to succeed. The best thing we've done has been to purchase two ping pong tables. I kid you not. We have ping pong tables on the patio after the service. And suddenly people are like, I got to get back to church because I need to beat that guy. Um, guy, like people are bringing an extra shirt because they know they're going to get sweaty and then they want to change afterwards. But it's bringing back that joy and connection um, that people are so hungry for after all that we've been through. So I'm a big believer in the power of playfulness. Thank you for coming along with me on the paper airplane. Um, the other thing I talk about in my book is the spiritual biblical component of playfulness because often church becomes our most serious place, right? If you were a kid growing up in the church, odds are at some point someone hushed you 
someone shushed you, right? You, you had childlike energy and it was tamped down. Be still, please listen. But the truth is that God calls us and invites us and gives us permission to approach not only the rest of our lives, but our worship as well in a playful whimsical way. It's what we see Jesus doing. It's what we see Paul doing. We're studying Philippians at our church right now in Philippians 4, rejoice always, which we can often hear as an imperative, as a command. Okay, I will bootstrap my way into joy. It doesn't work. (laughs) It's not successful. Now I have guilt and sadness. Um, but when we can integrate playfulness into worship, whether that's something like art or poetry or dance, we have a woman who teaches children's music classes at our church. And the last few Sundays, we've asked her to bring bins of instruments. And so we end worship. We have hybrid indoor, outdoor digital worship, and we hand out instruments and we tell people at home, grab something to bang on. And they, we play along on the final song and the teenagers are having a blast and the older folks are having a blast. And all of a sudden we're reimagining what church can be and what God invites us into um, as God's people. So I guess what I want to offer all of you watching and listening today is permission, is permission to play, permission to be a kid again, permission to engage in even that micro play, even those 10 seconds. We have a play therapist at our church, and I met with her several times over the course of writing the book. She was so generous with her time. And I said, you know, I, there's a lot on my plate. I have a lot to do. I have children and I'm working in ministry and we're in a pandemic. And she said, you can do it in these micro micro chunks. And sometimes it's not even getting up the will to do it. It's just responding to someone else's play invitation. When the Frisbee is thrown, do you catch it? And then do you throw it back? Um, When someone splashes you at the playground, are you angry or are you willing to engage? Um, And so even just entering into that invitation, I have a regular exercise in public humiliation because the youth director at our church beats me in Scrabble by hundreds of points. And then he'll say, don't you have a master's degree in English? And I'm like, Matt, I don't want to talk about it. But those 10 minutes at the public Scrabble board, it hangs on the wall in the main church office, um, have reinvigorated our relationship. And so when he invites me, do I say, I know I'm going to lose again? Or do I say, okay, all right, 10 minutes. Let me get out the dictionary. Um, So that's what I want to offer all of you in ministry is an invitation into play and permission to let yourselves play. The other thing I talk a bit about in the book is that we don't play well when we're exhausted. And many folks will remember that childlike joy they had as a child that they lost when life got difficult. And maybe that was, um, you know, the first difficult job and you couldn't even get food on the table. Maybe that was you had kids and you haven't slept in 10 years. Um, Maybe that was ministry. You had all of this expectation and it really was different or harder than you expected. Um, So in order to play well, we also need to rest well. And that's the other invitation of play is if you're too tired to play, that's okay. And maybe that invitation is simply to rest. And to trust that at the end of the day, the work belongs to God and you can set it down, which is so hard when we're doing justice work, when we're doing community organizing, when these things really are matters of life and death. Um, But to give ourselves permission not to sacrifice ourselves on the altar of good things, but instead to step back and say, 
this day is this day I'm setting aside. This is holy and sacred, and I'm going to sleep through 90% of it. Um, one of my most rejuvenating practices as someone who's now been in ministry over 10 years is a weekly Sabbath. And my church makes me work Sundays. That, I mean, honestly, can you believe it? They make me work Sundays. Um, so I take a Friday and that is our Sabbath. And my husband is a pastor as well. And so that day is sacred to us. And we rest and we play and we put down our devices and the church knows how to get us in an emergency, but they also know what an emergency is, which is not that the copier is broken. Um, and that rest is the fuel for our play. It is the fuel for our ministry. And in setting aside that time to rest, we find the energy to go back again um, to the work that God has set before us. And I'm looking forward to hearing what Joe and, and Shonda have to say about it because they also are involved in such deep justice work. But without the rest, not only is the playfulness almost impossible, but the ministry work long-term is almost impossible as well. And so if you're staring down burnout today, that first step may be to let yourself rest, to give yourself permission and know that God, God not only gives you permission, God commands it. God knew that we're good people doing good work and we're not going to set it down unless it was so deeply wired into scripture. Um, and Jesus is such a beautiful model. The crowds are clamoring and Jesus goes up to the mountain and the crowds are begging and Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat on a cushion. I love that it says on a cushion, right? He's even comfy. Jesus is comfy in his resting. Um, and the beautiful permission that gives each one of us to work hard and faithfully. And then at the end of the week, at the end of the day, to set it down and say, okay, ultimately the work belongs to you, God. Um, and that's something I'm still growing in. When the pandemic hit, we went to an all digital pastorate for a season, which anyone out there tired of preaching to an iPhone? So tired of preaching to an iPhone. But the work, everything digital takes 10 times as long and feels half as good. And so the work just overflowed and we stopped taking a Sabbath. We didn't have time. And the person who brought it back to us was my five-year-old son who said, mommy, it is Sabbath. Where are the donuts? So it's not very spiritual for him. It's about the donuts. But there was this reminder that even when there really is too much work to do, the video is just not going to be as good as it could be. But my soul will be intact. And that is a holy thing.